touch every heart, touch every heart in this place today, God. We don't want to leave the same. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus.
exalts his name. I just hear God speaking to me. He's right now here in this room. He's walking in this room. God is here. And he said he's going to move. He's going to move. And you got to just open your mind right now and open your heart to the spirit of God. Come on. Let's worship him.
ask that it will increase. We ask that our faith, God, we will get a couple of seeds of mustard and just God and believe you to be enormous in our life right now, Lord God. Come on, can everybody agree with me? Can everybody agree for your faith to increase? God, we love you. We thank you for tonight. Thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for every person in here. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. We exalt you. All the honor and glory and power is yours, Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody say amen. Bless the Lord. Welcome to Encounter Night, everybody. Everybody encounter Jesus Christ? If you did 50%, well, you can count it for the end of the night some more <laughs> amen amen thank you sister lauren great worship leading there welcome to metro praise church as well as encounter our vision here is to love god and love people main services sundays at 10 a.m we're here every wednesdays royal rangers and impact going on in the back and here we're encountering the lord getting a little bible study into the word of god and prayer it's just the most can we just have everybody come in like you know smush them please por favor Get a little bit of uh, intimate here, amen. We have Elevate Youth Service every Friday at 7.30. We believe in also tithing, giving 10% of your total growth to the Lord, amen. And, uh, you know, also offering, whatever you want to give besides the Lord. Uh, vision is to love God, love people, strive to connect men to you and send you out to share the gospel. Believe that God's going to raise up 100,000 disciples here in Chicago, amen. Amen. Part of the Metro Praise Church, yes, we believe that. 50 churches uh, all over the city and 500 worldwide. God is doing it. Let's believe him. Amen. Let's pray for those that are giving their 10% tithes. We can give them the drop box also online. Father, we just close our eyes and bow our heads before you, Lord. We just ask you that you bless the giver. Father, that uh, you will teach us, Lord, just to uh, continue giving you more, God. God, I pray that, you, God, you just continue speaking to us and how to give you more than what we are already giving right now, Father. So the greed would be broken off, God. I just pray against that spirit of greed. I bind it in Jesus' name, Father. And we ask you that you will be that you will make us a, a, a generous people that will give to your kingdom always. In Jesus' name, bless all the givers. Amen. All right, let's get to the word. I want to talk to you tonight about revival. Revival. Move this up a little bit here. I want to talk to you tonight about revival. I want you to learn a little bit about revival. And the history of revival, the history of the Pentecostal movement. So if everybody got their notes, get ready to learn a little bit. Okay? And then we're going to get to prayer. Psalms 85, 6 says, Will you not re revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? This is David speaking. Psalms 85, 6. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Amen? Stephen Olford says, it's a quote, revival is ultimately Christ himself, seen, felt, heard, living, active, lit, moving in, through his body on earth. You know, when I read Psalms 85, 6, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Come on. I know the people here will be rejoicing when we see Christ himself, Right? When we see him moving, when we feel him, when we hear him speaking through words of knowledge and prophecies. Amen? When we see him active through his body on earth. Who wants revival? I want revival. I want to see Jesus move. I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see 
what the book of Acts talks about. Amen. I want to read, uh, let's go to Acts chapter 1, because this is where revival began. Acts chapter 1, if we can go there, please. I'm going to read off the screen because these letters are real tiny here. Beautiful. Acts chapter 1, we're going to read from verses 3 and onward to, to verse 8. Okay? Here we go. It reads, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. This is Christ Jesus, his suffering, you know, crucified for our sins. Hallelujah. Buried and risen from the dead. Showed himself that man, so these men had many convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Come on. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or days the Father has sent by his authority, by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Right there, Jesus told the disciples, okay, in the early church over 2,000 years ago, listen, Okay, I'm not here to take over Israel and, you know, put my, uh, you know, my reignship there. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you the authority. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I want you to stay in Jerusalem. I have something for you. The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, and you're going to be filled with power when it comes upon you to be my witness in the entire world. Amen? That's the beginning of revival right there. Okay? Now, we can talk the first 100 years of um of the uh, early church, which is called the Tunnel Years, I'm like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were getting saved by the, you know, hearing of the gospel by the early, by their first disciples, and somewhere along the lines after that, you know, the Catholic came to be, and then the church, you know, all these signs and wonders kind of ceased, and that's what the Calvinists believe today, okay? We are, are Armenian, by the way. I'll explain that in a few minutes. I'll explain it right now. Calvinists, <laughs> okay? The Calvinists believe Okay, just make it pretty simple. Three things. Okay, God saves sinners. God's sovereign. Okay, he predestines every person. He saves who he wants to save. Not everybody can be saved. So we are, as Armenians, we believe the opposite. We believe that every person has free will of choice, individually chooses God, individually rejects God. So therefore, and, and even the scripture proves it himself. We work with God. We're God's workmanship, the Bible says, right? It, and doesn't Matthew 28, 18 says, God, Jesus Christ commissioned us to go make disciples of all nations. That's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything I command you. Right there, it proves, just by that scripture alone, that yes, we work with the Lord Jesus Christ. We work with God. Calvinists, the opposite, okay? Not too many of them you will find them preaching and, and evangelizing, trying to win the lost. Many Armenians, like ourselves, we have the heart for the lost. We love them. We want to see them saved because we believe, okay? The entire book of Acts. For some reason, the Calvinists want to reject that and say, you know what? What do we do after Jesus, you know, ascension to heaven? We preach the gospel. We did that this past weekend. We want to see people get saved. The scripture says that Jesus Christ died for all, not just for a portion. The Calvinists go according to Romans chapter 8. Everybody is taking notes? No? Okay. I'm kidding. I came in a teaching mood because I've been, you know, kind of studying a little bit. Okay. 
now the school's over, sort of. Uh, everything's coming to mind. Okay, Romans chapter 8, the covenants go by that, that God predestines, he, and he sanctifies, and he glorifies the believer. Um, everybody understood that? We are Armenian, we're not Calvinists, and we believe that you, we can also, a person can lose their salvation according to Ezekiel chapter uh, 33, verse 18, I believe. Let's go back to the beginning of the revival. Let's go now to Acts chapter 2. If we can get there to the screen, please. Acts chapter 2, right here, are the Acts. That's where the book of Acts called the book of Acts because that's how the disciples acted. Okay. Let's read. When the day of Pentecost came, which is the Jewish festival, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, and the Spirit enabled them. Amen. Just like us, they're speaking in tongues. Correct? Hallelujah. Now to them... As the Spirit enabled them, now to them were, uh, were now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, where they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Okay, now so you can understand here, they're speaking in tongues, but they have no idea they're speaking in all the languages. Just a quick testimony: Pastor Joe shared a story when he was in SUM in the chapel. He was speaking in tongues. And there was an Indian man next to him that he spoke, spoke the Indian language. I don't know, Telugu, I believe. Um, and Pastor Joe has no idea what he's saying. You know, we don't, we don't understand what we're saying when we're speaking in tongues, right? We don't understand. But this man just runs out of the room. Pastor Joe says that he goes running after him. What happened? And he said, you said, in my, you said in my language in India that speaking in tongue is real. So this is what these Jewish guys are seeing right here. This, they're saying, okay, because... Um, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They're speaking on their own language. The, the, you know, the language that they're speaking, the Jewish. Utterly amazed, they ask, are you not all, are you not all these, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? They're all Galileans, they're speaking in tongues. Then how is it that each of us hear them in their own native language? Part, Partians, Medias, and the Elamites, resides of the Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cap. And so on. Let's go verse 10. And so on. Let's go verse 11. Um, okay. We heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what did this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and say, they have, they have had too much wine. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Calvinists again. Because when the Calvinists, you know, they... Think about the Armenians or, you know, if you ever encounter a Calvinist, they would tell you, man, you know, speaking in tongues is evil. Um, you shouldn't do it. You know, it's not biblical. Let's read 1 Corinthians. Let's not go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Don't go there. It says, Paul, when he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit of God, okay, along with there, right, the gift of faith, the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge, okay, um, and so forth. And, he's, and, and the, speak, uh, the gift of speaking in tongues. And Paul actually tells us in the Scripture to desire such spiritual gifts. Okay? Take that note in. Whenever a Calvinist asks you, yeah, you know, speaking in tongues is not of today. It has seeds. They think that it was for the early disciples. But you tell them, no. In the scripture, it's Paul telling us that, who, you know, whoever, you know, he, he's actually telling us to desire the, the spiritual gift, 
and each of them will receive as he determines. It reminds me when I first got saved, I was uh, going through the one-on-one book that we have here for this, uh, for a discipleship program, and I was uh, on the lesson of you know the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I was praying one night, and I was like, God, give me the gift I desire to give you. Paul said it, if I desire it, and I see it in the book of Acts, disciples are getting filled and they're acting all crazy. You know what the Calvinists would say, too, about that? Like, these guys are tweaking, and they're rolling on the floor. They're crazy, man. It's evil. But you tell them, like, look what the Scripture says right there. I know I'm kind of a little bit on rabbit trails. The Scripture says they think they're crazy. Let's keep reading a little bit. Let's just finish this real quick. Then the Peter stood up. Did I read the top part already? Okay, then Peter stood up in 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I said. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. They think they were drunk, and it's like, it's only 9 in the morning. We're not drunk. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. Kind of like I am right now. Uh, going on rabbit trails, right? But check this out. I'm asking, go back to my story. I'm asking God for the gift of the speaking in tongues. It's like 11 p.m. at night, and it I'm like, literally, tears in my eyes. And it's like about midnight already. I'm laying in bed, like half asleep. Boom shakalaka, the Holy Spirit comes. Never spoken to him before. I went uncontrollably, just like these drunk guys. Maybe I thought I was drunk too then. And then I feel on my knees, jump on my bed. I'm on my knees with tears in my eyes, speaking in tongues for like 30 straight seconds, loud. That's that. You understand what I'm saying? Whenever a covenant comes to you and asks you about, hey, speaking in tongues is not real. You know, that gift has ceased. You tell them, you go to this scripture, and then you share your testimony. Amen? All right, let's continue reading here. Um, no, this is what has spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will sh- show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire. Blood and fire and, and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Right there. Revival breaks. It's continuing. And it continues. It's still going on right now. Do you know you've been in revival? You know? You, you live in revival right now. We all live in revival right now. And people want to pray for revival. People want to ask for, want to see revival happening. I, uh, I know that when revival is something special, it can happen as we see God. It can happen, what happened with disciples? They were in the upper room praying, asking God, as Jesus told them. And then revival came through, the Spirit came. And if we go, let's keep going down. Peter goes out and preaching to 3,000 people, and they all get saved. Because he was filled with, with, the, with the Holy Ghost and power. Amen? Do you want revival? This is how you're going to get revival. This is how you're going to get revival. You must first repent of your sins. And you must hunger for God's holiness. Okay? We know that Peter has sinned by rejecting Jesus Christ. Okay? He repented. And God still used him. Correct? We, know, we must desire God's holiness. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5.48, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, he's saying here, Be holy, as your heavenly Father in heaven is holy. Correct? God desires holiness. It's not until we, we, we start hating sin and we start hungering after God's holiness and His purity when, when the Spirit of God comes and moves and, and Jesus is walking among us. I literally feel Jesus just here walking with me. It was either the devil or Jesus. 
but no, I, I can distinguish the difference. It was Jesus. They say he's going to move. Amen? Okay, it was Jesus. I was kidding about that, by the way. Let's go here. Revival. I want to share with you a few points that, uh, seven points that Dr. Brown spoke about. Seven things he said to cover of the next wave of revival revolution. His words. Number one, he says before the next revival revolution comes, we understand that 10 years ago there was a great awakening in Florida, Brownsville. You know, many people were going past. Joe actually drove down there. And God was moving. People were getting saved. You name it. It was just wonderful and glorious. Jesus was all over the room. And it also happened. Um, it's been happening. But, like, we're, it, it's just tangible. And, it, you know, it attracts many people. And people are falling off in the parking lot and so forth. It's happening several times. But revival is happening even now. Okay? Individually. They can, revival can break through in your heart and your life. Amen? Okay, let's go here. Um, Number one, there will be combining of power of spirit and passion and seal of man. There will be a combining power of spirit, okay? So the power, the spirit of, of, of the power of the spirit of God and a passion and seal of man and woman, of course, too. You must have first a seal and a passion for the Lord. Preach the gospel, get in his word, hungry for his word, combined with the spirit of God, boom, chakalaka, we got revival, okay? First, one thing you can learn from the first point, get hungry for his word, get hungry for prayer, okay? What it says in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 4, you know, that the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God is not a matter of word, but it's a matter of power, okay? What I understand by power is just not just words, but when you speak the word of God, it's like a sharper, it's like a, it's like a sharper, like, like a double-edged sword. It will penetrate, it will convict hearts, it will bring people to repentance, and... You will see signs and wonder, people getting healed, so forth. Before I go to the seven list, I want to read to you. So I'm going to save that for after I read to you a little bit of the history of the Pentecostal revival, okay? It's quite long. I'm going to read. Here we go. I say a little short, but it's a little long. Pardon me. All right. The rise of the Pentecostal movement has become a phenomenon of our times. The Pentecostal church now numbers in excess of 550 million people across the world. And since the second half of the 20th century, it has experienced exponential growth. Come on, we got 550 million people around the world. <laughs> Feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. It is no exaggeration to say that this movement has witnessed the greatest number of conversions in the church plants in the entire history of the worldwide church. Ooh, that's exciting. Such growth has caused the 20th century to describe as the Pentecostal century or the century of the spirit. We're in the Pentecostal century, everybody, not, not the uh, medieval century. Um, okay, there were many streams of Christendom that began to produce this mighty river of spirit-filled Christianity. Now, the people that were involved in it, theologically, okay, John Wesley, doctrine of second blessing. The second blessing is the sanctification. Okay, the second blessing is where John Wesley... And his brother, Charles Wesley, came about, you know, doctrine. They were um, uh, Methodists, um, just making it about all God's holiness, you know, and staying accountable and, you know, deep accountability. You know, they had to share deep roots things about their hearts. Okay, so they call it a second blessing or sanctification. Uh, which, one, uh, which one of his Methodist associates 
John Fletcher called a baptism in the Holy Spirit, okay, was a seed from which all else grew. So that everything grew from this, the baptism of the Holy, Holy Spirit and the second blessing. So they witnessed people getting filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and they had a second blessing. Um, they had a hunger for God's holiness. In the mid-19th centuries, at, now these were people that were began to catch that, began to catch the Pentecostal movement. In the mid-19th centuries, Edward Irvin, a uh, Presbyterian minister, saw, the, saw and then experienced a restoration of spiritual gifts. There we go. First in Scotland and then in London, the gifts of tongues and the prophecy were regularly exercised in its meetings, which often gathered 2,000 people. Healings were also experienced. The Keswick's movement, which called the Higher Life teaches, uh, t- Teachings, took Wesley's second blessings and changed this. It's focused from inner cleansing and heart purity, okay? It's the same thing, to an endowment of spiritual power for service. This was popularized by, now the people that caught it again, people were catching the preachers and pastors, popularized by Hannah Widowsmith, William E. Boardman, D.L. Moody, we know D.L. Moody, from Chicago, Reuben Torrey, the list goes on. Okay, divine healing was added to the mix by other Kiswick supporters like the Americans, A.B. Simpsons and A.J. Gordon. The Western world was awash with holiness movements at the end of the 19th century where people were vigorously seeking after God for more power. American, you know, just like the disciples praying in the upper room, desiring for God for more power, you know, the promise. American, American camp meetings have experienced supernatural phenomena for over a century, and anything that expresses a living Holy Spirit empowerment Christianity was described as Pentecostal. It was into this spiritual milieu that Charles Perham emerged. Perham is known as the theologian father of the movement because he was the first to teach the speaking with tongues. He, they even wrote a book when, right when they, this guy started teaching it, uh, Charles Perham. Okay, he was the first one to teach the speaking in tongues was initially the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, just like it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, you know, or verse 5, I believe, when Jesus says, you know, John baptizes you with water, but I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So this is what it proves, like, hey, when the scripture says that, that's what it meant, speaking in tongues. All right. Um, he took the mess. Okay, I'm sorry. I lost track here. Um, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. There we go. Right there. It was in Bible college. It was in Bible school in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, that Agna Osmonds was the first to speak in tongues during the Holy Spirit outpouring on January 1st, 1906. The very first time someone got filled with speaking in tongues was a woman. Agnes Osmond, January 1st, 1901. Subsequently, he traveled as a revivalist with powerful signs following his ministry. He started another Bible school in Houston, Texas, with William Seymour, an African-American man, heard about the message of the baptism of, of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. He took this message to the Los Angeles and Azusa Street Pentecostal revival broke out. Thousands of Christians visited Azusa Streets from around the world in 1906 to 1909 and took the Pentecostal message and the experience back to their homes and to the mission field. On a nutshell, a little bit about the history of the Pentecostal movement. And I'll start when? Early 1900s, late 1800s. Amen? And you're probably thinking, what happened all of, you know, from what? All those years. Study church history. I, don't, I can't go there all right now. I didn't do all the research for that. But yeah, study church history. You learn a lot 
about what happened then. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Are we there? Go down a little more. Is everybody learning something tonight? Amen. Good. Keep going down. Okay. Keep going down. Okay, right there. Okay. Keep going down. Okay, with many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corruption generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. Okay? Now, as disciples from those days, what we must do? As what they did. Warn them with pleas. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Back then, generation was corrupt. Today, our generation is corrupt. Even worse, let's go back to the list, okay? We want to learn, we want to warn people, okay, that they all must repent of their sins and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to uh, the list here of Dr. Brown's seven things that are going to come to pass when the next uh, revival comes. Um, I left off at number two, the wave will build in the advance of the last wave. Number three, the high of moral crisis in society. There's going to be a height of moral crisis in society. We see it today. Okay, homosexuality, people questioning life, people going to new age, you know, believing just anything nowadays, being deceived by the Mormons, by the Jehovah's Witnesses, and so forth. There's going to be a height of moral crisis in our society. And what we must do, warn them. Is that right? We have the, uh, the, our responsibility is to warn them, just like the early disciples did, as the scripture tells us. Number four, this wave will be violent spiritually. Just like in Acts chapter 2, how violent it got. You know, uh, they get filled and the people think they're drunk and they go out and just 3,000 people get saved. It was violent, intense. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent will take it by force. The words of Jesus, you know, when he was talking about John the Baptist. We need some John the Baptist in this house. Amen? We need John the Baptist. They're going to stand for righteousness. They're going to stand for God's holiness and say, you know what? Repent of your sins. I'm preparing the way of the Lord. The next wave will bring the church with holy conflict with the world. Some of us will die in the battlefield. So this next wave coming up is going to bring the church with holy conflict. That means that you're going to stand for holiness. It's going to be people, men and women of God, and stand for God's holiness. You're going to be hatred and persecuted your jobs, and you're going to Correct people, even at your jobs or your family, wherever you're at, in the streets. Even ministers and pastors and people in ministry. God's raising up to correct those people and put them in order. Because there's going to be conflict with the world. Okay? Holy conflict. That means we stand as holy people and the world and even churches and denominations are watered down, are lukewarm and allowing other doctrines. And we, as we stand, as we stand in holiness, there's going to be a conflict with, between us and them, right? 
what we're going to do, as my wife was preaching last week, we're going to stand for righteousness. We're going to speak the truth. We're going to be bold. We're going to be courageous. Okay? Number five, it will be, it will be a revival of the fear of the Lord. You and I must have the fear of God. Okay, there must be a fear of God. God's going to do it as soon as the revival's going to come, as soon as people begin to realize the fear of the Lord. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. The beginning of uh, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. When you begin to obtain the knowledge and understanding the word of God, when you get hungry for his word, like I said earlier, okay, the fear of God's going to build inside of you and you're going to hate sin. And you're going to just get disgusted with people out there that are just not living right. Whoever it might be, your family members, your friends. You know, and you're going to be rebuking people. That's how this guy is talking about that. You know, before the next move of the Spirit of God, this was going to be seen. Okay, number six says, New wineskin will be prepared for the wine, and new wine there will be. New wine skin will be prepared for the wine, and new wine there will be. What it refers is what that refers to is this: new wine skin is a person, body of a person. We prepare for new wine. The wine is the Holy Ghost, and new wine there will be. There'll be a fresh outpouring, a new, you know, a move of God being poured into what the wine skin. Who that wineskin is going to be, it's going to be a harvest. It's going to be a gathering of lost souls, the prostitutes, the homosexuals, and many people are going to get saved. Amen? These are the words of Dr. Brown. I believe that's, that's prophecy from him. I'm sharing you guys some good stuff right here. And you should probably be taking notes because it's gonna, it might come to pass. I'm quoting him. It's all coming from him. Number seven, it must, it must be, and it's going to be, about Jesus. It must be, and it's going to be about Jesus Christ, not man. We, there was a revival, the most recent revival when the guy fell into sin, you know. Sometimes these revivals happen. They make it about the man, and it's like, oh, this guy, you know, Evan Roberts, you know, brought forth a revival and preaching. No, it's, it's going to be about Jesus Christ. Amen? If we can please stand. the end of my long message. I hope you guys learned something. Hopefully you guys learn about the history of the revival and Pentecostal. Your Pentecostal faith, amen? And how to confront a Calvinist just a little bit. Come on. If you got any more questions, just come to me. Um, a quote here by Charles Finley. He says, Revival is a renewal conviction of sin and repentance Followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is giving up one's will to God in deep humility. Come on. It starts with you and I. That should be a, like we got to need to ask God tonight for a deep conviction of sin. Amen. That when the moment you catch yourself in those small sins that you think it's not, you know, oh, God forgive me. God has grace on me and it's okay. Again, I can, no, 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 there has to be a complete conviction. There has to be a sorrow. Not to say that you're condemned, you go to hell, but it's just to show the hunger and the desire of His holiness. You understand what I'm saying? Desire of His holiness. That the moment you lust upon the opposite sex, you're like, oh, God, no. The moment is that 
you try to intent even think about saying a white lie, you're like, God, no, you see, the soul's getting stained. It's not to feel condemned. It's not to feel uh, all beat up. And But it's, it's about just you showing the heart to God. Say, God, I want your holiness, and that's all that I want and I desire. If I was in a renewed conviction of sin and repentance, okay, completely turn around from sin. You see, the sin you continually are going through, you turn away from it 180 degrees. And you say, no more of that. I'm done with it. Followed by an intense desire to live in, in obedience to God. Okay, obedience, preaching the gospel, getting in his word, get to know the Lord. Built that relationship with Jesus, the intimacy with him. It's giving up one's will to God and deep humility. Oh, man, it takes some deep humility. If God tells you to go and just, I don't know, live in, at an apartment in the community greens and preach there to the African-American community, well, you're going to think that might be the devil speaking to you, but if God speaks you, I'm like, those words, you have to do that, will you be willing to say, God, let your will be done on my will? Will you be willing to say, God, oh, i got to get humble about this, man? Because humility is just really surrendering and saying, God, you know, it's not about me. It's about you. Think about Jesus, what it says in Philippians chapter 2. Goodness, God became man. Who can turn their place? Humility, I mean, um, humility. In uh, Philippians chapter 2, we're talking about Jesus Christ. Um, Lawrence, Philippians chapter 2. I want us to understand this. The humility that God requires of us in order to see revival. Okay, if you have any encouragement to be united with Christ, is comfort. Keep going down. Okay, right there. Each of you should look not into your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your eyes should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Okay, interests of others. That's always good, you know, in relationship with people, especially brothers and sisters in the Lord. But how about an interest of the Lord? How about his interest, his will? That his kingdom should come first. That his will should come first. Preaching the gospel. Making disciples. Your ass should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equally with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and give the name above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You might walk into the community green projects and be like, man, I'm not even African American. Man, I, I, can't, I can't even live in here. No offense, because those that, you know, been there or probably live there, I've been there, and I lived there, but gone in and out of there, pick up some friends in my baseball team. Most half of the baseball team, you know, we're living there back in the day. But think about that. Through your walking into the place, you have to live there. And you're like, man, I was raised in Brookfield. I was raised in Naperville. I was raised in the north side of Chicago. I'm not used to this. Humility. It's giving up one's will to God in deep humility. And just alone coming to the outreach sometime. How about that one? You know, I got to get there. Sorry about that. All right. Okay. All right. Um, Next quote here is by, I'm sorry about that, I lost my paper here. Okay, 
this is by I think I didn't. Revival awakens in our heart and increase awareness of the presence of God. And that's it. Revival awakens in our heart and increase awareness of the presence of God. We must always be in expectation of God's presence. We must always be in awareness that, you know what, I want to just be in God's presence. I want want to feel him more. I want to be in his presence even longer, you know. Let's go to uh, a following quote right here. I'm trying to find the last quote. If you can play some music, please. some music going for me please you can close your eyes just begin to think a little bit about the word revival you won't relent until you have it all revival, you must decide his holiness first much about the sin, don't forget about the sin. He said he'll cast the sin as far as the east is from the west. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It's time to work with the Lord. It's time to, you know, be in his presence. Time to, you know, just go to the next level with the Lord. Amen. Don't think about even the healings or the miracles of casting the demon. Don't even put your mind on those things. Just think about his holiness. Amen. Found the quote. It's by Dale Jr. Revival awakens in the heart and increases awareness of God's presence, a new love for God, and a new hatred for sin, and a hunger for His Word. Here's another quote: Louis Drummond, an awakening is ready to burst under this this small scene scene when Christians have a deep, profound spirit of prayer for an awakening. Come on. I want to read this one more time. An awakening is ready to burst under this small scene when Christians have a deep, profound spirit of prayer for an awakening. Lower that music, please. I want you to put that video that I told you about. I am going to go after God tonight. I, 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 just, I just feel the clench in my belly. I'm ready to go hungry after God. And, Y'all know what's going to happen. We're going to reflect in the word. We're going to go after the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to desire his holiness. And I urge you, please, if if, if not now, then when are we going to hunger for his holiness? If not now, then when is that going to happen, you know? If not now, when? Tell me. Well, you know, I, I really got to be at home tonight. Or, oh, you know what? I got to go clean the cafe. Or, no, 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 no. If, let's not give God any schedule tonight. Let's just go after him, please. Please, 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 as, 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 as your leader here tonight, let's go after him tonight. I feel there's going to be something special is happening. I felt the Lord speak to me. He's going to move. I don't know how, which way it might be in the tiny way. It might just be in one person. It might be just for me, but he's going to move. How about we go after him? Amen? You have the, you have that um, video ready? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote that one more time. 
and awakening is ready to be burst under this small scene when Christians have a deep, profound spirit of prayer for an awakening. It reminds me of Romans chapter 8. Let's go watch that video. And I look at the whole religious scene today, and all I see are the inventions and ministries of man and flesh. It's mostly powerless. It has no impact on the world. And I see more of the world coming into the church and impacting the church rather than the church impacting the world. I see the music taking over the house of God. I see entertainment taking over the house of God. An obsession with entertainment in God's house, a hatred of correction and a hatred of reproof. Nobody wants to hear it anymore. Whatever happened to anguish in the house of God? Whatever happened to anguish in the ministry? It's a word you don't hear in this pampered age. You don't hear it. Anguish means extreme pain and distress. The emotion so stirred that it becomes painful, acute, deeply felt inner pain because of conditions about you, in you or around you. Anguish, deep pain, deep sorrow, agony of God's heart. We've held on to our religious rhetoric and our revival talk, but we've become so passive all true passion is born out of anguish. All true passion for Christ comes out of a baptism of anguish. You search the scripture and you find that when God determined to recover a ruined situation, he would share his own anguish for what God saw happening to his church and to his people. And he would find a praying man, and he would take that man and literally baptize him in anguish. You find it in the book of Nehemiah. Jerusalem is in ruins. How is God going to deal with this? How is God going to restore the ruin? Now, folks, look at me. Nehemiah was not a preacher. He was a career man. But this was a praying man. And God found a man who would not just have a flash of emotion, not just some great sudden burst of concern and then let it die. He said, no, I broke down and I wept and I mourned and I fasted. And then I began to pray night and day. Why didn't these other men, why didn't they have an answer? Why didn't God use them in restoration? Why didn't they have a word? Because there was no sign of anguish. No weeping. Not a word of prayer. It's all ruin. Does it matter to you today? Does it matter to you at all? That God's spiritual Jerusalem, the church, is now married to the world? That there's such a coldness sweeping the land? closer than that does it matter about the Jerusalem that's in our own hearts the sign of ruin that's slowly draining spiritual power and passion blind to lukewarmness blind to the mixture that's creeping in 
That's all the devil wants to do is get the fight out of you and kill it. So you won't labor in prayer anymore. You won't weep before God anymore. You can sit and watch television and your family go to hell. Let me ask you, is, is what I just said convicted you at all? There's a great difference between anguish and concern. Concern is something that you, that begins to interest you. You take an interest in a project or a cause or a concern or a need. And I want to tell you something I've learned over all my years, 50 years of preaching. If it is not born in anguish, if it has not been born by the Holy Spirit, where when you saw and heard of the ruin, and it drove you to your knees, took you down into a baptism of anguish where you began to pray and seek God. I know now. Oh my God, do I know it. Until I'm in agony. Until I have been anguished over it. And all our projects, all our ministries, everything we do. Where are the Sunday school teachers that weep? over kids they know are not hearing and they're going to hell. You see, a true prayer life begins at the place of anguish. You see, if you, you set your heart to pray, God's going to come and start sharing your heart, His heart with you. Your heart begins to cry out, Oh God, your name is being blasphemed. The Holy Spirit's being mocked. The enemy is out trying to destroy the testimony of the Lord's faithfulness and something has to be done. There's going to be no renewal, no revival, no awakening until we're willing to let him once again break us. Folks, it's getting late and it's getting serious. Please don't tell me. Don't tell me you're concerned when you're spending hours in front of internet or television. Come on. Lord, there's somebody to get this altar and confess, I am not what I was. I am not where I'm supposed to be. God, I don't have your heart or your burden. I've been, I wanted it easy. I didn't want to be happy. But Lord, true joy comes. True joy comes out of anguish. There's nothing of the flesh will give you joy. I don't care how much money, I don't care what kind of new house there is absolutely nothing physical can give you joy it's only what is accomplished by the Holy Spirit when you obey him and take on his heart build the walls around your family build the walls around your own heart make you strong and impregnable against the enemy God that's what we desire Seek the Lord. Play some music, please. If it's not now, then when? I want to lead you to be hungry for God. I want to be just obedient of what God led me to share today. Now it's time for you to go. Ask God to give you the anguish. And actually what led me to share this message was after this retreat, this outreach. As journaling and reflecting, God spoke to me. I didn't have a burden for the loss. 
as I did before. And it reminds me of what David Wilkerson said. And I say, God, I need to be revived in my heart. And that's what God spoke to me, and that's why I'm sharing this, because I'm the one that needs to be revived. And I know that you don't feel here perfect. I know that you need revival, too. I need revival in my personal life. Awesome things 
that we did not expect. You came down and the mountain trembled before you. Habakkuk 3, verse 2 to 6. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our days. In all your times, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, the holy of the mountains of Pharaoh. Selah, his glory covered the heavens and his praises filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hands where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. God, we want to see your glory. God, we want to see your majesty. God, we want to... We want to see you come and revive in us first, Lord God, and, and awaken this entire city and this nation, Lord, back to you, Lord God. God, you come in a time of hurt. You come in a time of need, in a time of, 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 of God, when everything is awful. God, you need to come, Lord. We need you, Lord. Maranatha, Jesus. Maranatha, Lord, through Jesus, come and revive in my heart first. Come, Lord. Oh Lord, bless me and keep me, cause your face to shine on me. Lord, be gracious, lift the light of your Thank you. 
tell God to change you. Tell God to change you. Come on. Things that you need, you got to break through from your life. Come on. Break through when it comes to this. We pray if you're seeking God earnestly with English. That's where breakthroughs come from. You cry out to God. You say, God, I need of this to come off. I'm in need of this to leave me. I need to break loose with the fear of man. You break loose with worries. You break loose, Lord. God, for faithfulness and this. God, for castigation. You say, I'm going to praise you and worship you. You say, I'm going to read the word of God. Wait longer. God, increase my name, Lord. Come on. I'm not 
something new in my life, in my heart. Come on, just make it about Jesus and His love and His, His power of His Spirit to transform you, change you, revive you. You're the God of you dealt this with city. attitudes, if you dealt with grumbling, if you dealt with anger, come You're on, let, let God nation. take that away from you now. You are if you're dealing with doubt, let him take it with you. He already took it away in the cross. Just give it to him. Lay it before him. Come on. Come on. I want all of us, even Lawrence, to sit in the back. Come on. Go after Jesus. Let him speak to you. Let him reveal new things to you now. New things that you might not even see yourself. God, God's been showing me my pride, just how difficult it is, different ways. I don't want to hinder your spirit, Lord, anyway. God. Jesus. You're the God of this city. You're the God of this people. You're the Lord of this city. Oh, just like Mary before Jesus' feet. Come on, she wept at his feet. Just feet in his presence. Desire to be close to Jesus. Martha says she didn't even help me clean. For now you can be saying, well, somebody's doing the cafe and I'm now. Somebody is probably cleaning the washing and I'm not. Somebody's already going and cooking for my husband or my wife and I'm not. Whatever it is, but Jesus is saying, you know what? You're doing better being here by my feet. Don't think what you can be doing later on. Think about it. You gotta right now be at the moment. You gotta be at the moment right now. You gotta live the moment right now. You gotta make it the moment right now.
please lower the music a little bit and put something more mellow. to me all who are tired and worried and I will give you rest. Let them take the yoke. Let them take let them walk with you in the yoke and push together. Let me give you that rest. Let me give you that peace. Oh Jesus, it's good to be with you. Put a romantic music with Jesus right now, please, bro. Day with Jesus. It's intimacy time. It's moments like this that moves your character, Just passionate about intimate moments like this. With Jesus, when you feel so close right now. Oh, this is what it's all about right here. Oh, God. Than anything else. This is better than watching a movie. This is better than being with my wife, being with my son. This is better than singing a song. This is better than winning money or making money. This is better than anything else, Jesus. Being with you. They who wait upon the Lord will receive strength and rise up like eagles. Come on, let them refresh you, let them revive you now. Let them give you those wings of eagles where you rise up. Become a better mother, become a better father, become a better brother, sister, a better leader, a better disciple. Times like this, this is better than anything. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your here, God. Thank you for you. Holy Ghost, we love you. Oh God, this is revival right here now. See, it took you. Took that little spur and a challenge to you in person to go after him. For him to just come. Come on, just be intimate with Jesus. Tell him how much you thank, how much you're thankful for him and the life that you have. Just thank him right now. Just love them.
not settling for this. We want more of you, Jesus. More of your love. More intimacy. Jesus says in John 17, he prays to the Father that we will be one with the Father as he is one with him. This intimacy is where we become one with him, be closer to him. The world will know that you're my disciple when you love one another. Make us one with you, Jesus. Make us one with you, God. Come on, just tell them that. Make me one with you, Jesus.
God, we come before you right now. I come before you, and I just ask that you would instill your heart inside of mine, that my desires would be your desires, dear God, that I would be kingdom-minded, dear God, and, and I would put my focus on what matters, dear God, and, and not the things that will burn away. Father, I, I pray, dear God, and I, I ask for forgiveness for everything that I've attached myself to, dear God, that is, is not nothing of worth, dear God, and I pray that you would help me keep my eyes uh, on you, dear God, and on your children and on souls or the lost, God. In Jesus' name, forgive me for making it something that it's not. Forgive me for just desiring to be happy and to be comfortable, Lord God. I ask that you would change me, dear God, from the inside out, Lord. In Jesus' name. strength, Lord, to do your will, Lord. We can do all things through Christ who serves us. Lord. You made the blind, you made the handicapped, you made the lame, and you are the one who qualifies and disqualifies. And if you say to go preach the gospel to all nations, sure you not be with us, sure you not, not use us, our work will not be in vain if it's with done with you. And I pray right now that we will know that God does the work and we work with him. We're God's workmanship. And then we need him more. We need his presence. We need to his spirit. We cannot win. We cannot win. We cannot win, Lord, while you're present. And I pray right now, Spirit, convict us, empower us to go into nations, to go in this Irving Park area, to bring more people to you, to make disciples. And to stir our hearts of anything that is not for you, clean us. You said, David said, to create me in our heart. Even to me, I said this, create me a new heart, a new spirit. To change my inner work parts, Lord. Not just the outward, but the inner. Change my mind. You said, by the renewing of your mind, we'll transform. And I pray right now, change our belief system. Change our thoughts of you. Let us not have you in a box and not just be this wisdom, this theology, but I pray for a spirit of revelation outside of the books, 
but through your word reveal to us what who you are truly in our lives and to who you really are i pray for that you god would use your spirit and your word to empower us to do the will you said to joshua be strong and courageous and do not be fear dismantled for the lord your god is with you and i pray right now for courage for boldness as peter stood up there you god are the strength of our lives you are the strength of my life lord and i pray lord that you be the strength of us right now in the encounter not everybody in this room lord i pray that you bring up ministers apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers that they will not be paralyzed or stay the same place as they are now and i pray right now them to be men of God, women of God, who will take off the call and be in anguish, and not be just let their families, their friends, their, their co-workers, or their neighbor go to hell, but there will be people that will take back the kingdom of God from the devil, for God gave us authority to go into hell and take populate heaven and ponder hell, and I pray right now there will be people as David, as they will go to war. I pray right now we will warfare in the spirit, Lord. I pray right now warfare for your family, warfare for your own soul. And not give up. Know that you will not give up while fight. People will say they will get rich or die trying. We will say, God, have all of me. And be assaulted in my life or let me die trying. Let me save my people. Say, those around me or die trying we need to be willing to lay down our lives lord let us give us a spirit where we will die for our faith just as in india no we're not we'll go past the point of village comforts but where it will cost us something lord gives us strength when it will cost us something because that's where we will know where our heart is not when it's easy but when it's hard when it, when it causes your pride or even your life. I pray right now for us to not deny you, but die invent to not deny you. I pray for missionaries to go to go into other countries to help places like Nepal, India, to not, to not be afraid, but to be strong and to do the work God calls. And I pray right now, Lord, that you will have that way in us, Lord. I pray right now that you will not, you will not be afraid or give up. Or you will continue our work that you started in us, Lord. And I pray right now, Lord, that you will be able to keep us from falling. That we will not feel ourselves stirred and Lord. I pray right now that your strength, God, that your will, that your there, that we will not be just crying about the people crying about your heart be like they will heart
rest of the body get some courage, please. God, right now I pray, Lord, that you just work in our hearts, God. Give us a heart like yours, a a burden for the lost, God. I pray that we will just be the watchmen, Lord, and just warn people, God, and know that salvation is here, Lord, and that people are ignoring that there's, uh, that people are ignoring that there's hell and heaven at stake, God. I pray, Lord, that they will just receive the beauty and just, the holiness that is available to them, the salvation that is available to them, God. Lord, I pray as Christians, Lord, that we will know our responsibility, Lord, that we will be judged, that we will have blood on our hands, God. Lord, we don't want to go up there with regrets, God, saying, I wish I would have told that person, Lord. God, I pray that every opportunity we have, that we take it, Lord, that we will be fearless, God, that you will give us boldness, Lord, knowing that you walk with us and you will give us the words to speak through the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you empower us with the Holy Spirit, Lord, each and every day, wherever we go, Lord, to just have that boldness, God, just to do it for you, Lord, and just to speak to those knowing that it's for you, for their own sake, not for us, God, but just knowing that we care for them, Lord, enough to share it with them, God. I pray, Lord, that you just break our hearts, Lord, for them, God. Let us get serious about it, Lord. Wake us up inside, God. Jesus, I pray that you just shake the flesh, God, and just um, work in us, Lord, just to just do your will, God, because this is our responsibility, Lord. Break us, Lord. Let us weep, God, for those who are going to hell, God, for those who are there, Lord, saying, I wish I would have listened. I wish somebody would have told me. I wish something I knew, I wish I knew something like this was available to me, Lord. Let it break our hearts, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If we can please have everybody come up right now in a circle, we're just going to hold hands, and every person is going to pray. Please pray. We want to hear your prayers. This is Encounter Night. It's, it's about everybody being involved. It's about the faith of every person in here being encouraged. Amen. So we're going to hold hands. And those that haven't prayed, we're just going to go in a circle and everybody's going to pray. Uh, your prayer is going to be just you sharing your heart to God. That's it. Amen. No mic, by the way.